Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome into the conversation. And the conversation has been on boundaries, personal boundaries. How do you set personal boundaries? What are boundaries? I've talked about it at length, and I want to make you aware, at the time of this publication, Meg Lamb and I are taking registrations for our six-week coaching program, Being Your Authentic Self with No Apologies, a deep dive in creating boundaries. We are offering our free module for preview. It's 100% training, and the title of that is A Crash Course in Setting Boundaries. If you want to access that or find out more about the coaching program, go to yesdaniel.com and select the link for the boundaries training. But again, this episode is going to deal with boundaries, but in a little bit different way. Primarily, I've been talking about having boundaries in your relationship to others. This is having boundaries in your relationship to yourself. In my signature coaching program, The Aligned Self, I refer to this personal boundary aspect as your code of conduct. These are the rules and guidelines that you put in place in order to maintain the integrity of your guiding principles or your values. Your guiding principles are actually the organizing principles around which you organize your life. These are the characteristics and virtues that you consider most worthy of an individual, most worthy of a human being, and they're ones that you identify as yours, that you've adopted. And this is from the context of the aligned self, reinventing your self-identity. From my perspective, you get to choose your values, you get to choose your guiding principles, those unifying ideas that are at the very heart of who you want to be. Most people, when they investigate their values, they identify uh, those default aspects that they've adopted along the way not necessarily supporting who they really want to be or what they consider their true expression. And then again, I have what I consider a unique approach in identifying your unifying principles in how to define them and then put them into practice. So once you identify your values, when you, once you identify those principles that you want to live by, then it's incumbent upon you to set about to have a standard of conduct, a code of conduct. This process of identifying and putting into practice those codes of conduct, make sure that you stay in alignment with what matters most to you, your values. And without this code, you have a tendency to live incongruently with what you consider something you value. For instance, over the years, I've had both men and women that have been cheating on a significant other and they feel bad about it. They say it's, it goes against my values, but I can't seem to stop myself. And I typically ask, have you ever made it a rule? Have you ever set a rule that you will not ever do it? And 10 times out of 10, there's never been a rule set. It's always been a gray area. And as typically on a subpersonality level, there's an aspect that desires validation, desires to know that they're a sexual being, that they're attractive, that somebody finds them attractive. Because that subpersonality operates from a shadow belief that they're not enough or they're not lovable on some level. 
Now, a rule that you can put in place, one, is to never do that again. Something I've set up for myself is just not present the temptation. And my rules go something like this. As long as I'm in a committed relationship, I only have sex or I'm only interested sexually in one person. Because to me, that's part of the commitment, especially part of the commitment in being married. And I believe that if I want to have sex with somebody else, then I need to end the relationship first because that is outside the purview of my current agreement. And one thing that holds that together is another rule I have for myself is that I maintain my commitments. And I do not make a commitment by which I won't move heaven and earth in order to keep. And then another code of conduct that keeps us intact is that I will not meet a woman or dinner or drinks or in any environment that my wife would not be welcomed. And then since I'm a professional coach, I only meet people in a professional setting. This also includes limits on messaging and email. Another code that I have for myself is that I do not engage in activity that I would not want put on the front page of the newspaper or spread all over Facebook. In other words, I don't do anything that I wouldn't mind being caught doing. And that doesn't mean that I'm some goody two-shoes that I only do, you know, G-rated stuff. It's just that if something does come out, I'm not going to be embarrassed that everybody knows. See, as a Scorpio, I find this policy to be very liberating because we're naturally secretive, but keeping a secret is a lot of energy. It's a lot of hard work, actually. And there's a certain amount of fear. What if somebody finds out? Well, what if somebody does find out? I don't care. And again, this doesn't mean that I do not have skeletons in my closet. You know, there's things that I've done in my past that I'm not particularly proud of, but I've made peace with them. Some other codes that I have in place to maintain my guiding principles, and I'm not going to be able to name all of them. I'm going to name some of the top ones, and you can adopt what you may. You're going to get the idea of how to create your own code of conduct. So one of the most important ones is that your word is your bond. If you say so, then you better be able to back it up. Another one in the context of being a coach, being a teacher, is that I do not recommend anything that I haven't performed as an experiment on myself. Everything that I suggest, I've done and put in practice in my life. Another rule is that I will not gossip about you behind your back. Now, I do talk about people from time to time when they're not in my presence, but I do not say anything that I would not be willing to say to your face. And that only goes for people that I've interacted with out in the marketplace. If you're a client of mine and we've had a conversation, everything that you say to me is confidential. I'll take that to the grave. If I ever talk about clients, I change the names, I change the location, I change the circumstances. I only keep the vital information so no one will recognize you out in the world. But by and large, if I cannot say something positive about you, I'd rather not say anything at all. I also won't participate with you if you are the one gossiping. And one of the ideas that helps keep this in alignment, you know, it's kind of circular. You go back to the rule that I do not participate or engage in activity that I wouldn't want to have everybody know about. And this is not to say that I do not have private thoughts, thoughts I keep to myself, things that I don't typically talk with other people about. It just means that what I do think about or things I do engage in, if it does come out, it's not going to ruin me. 
And I think that carries a certain amount of peace and comfort with that. Now, as you pick up different rules, different codes of conduct, you can look everywhere. You, anyone that you admire, anyone that you identify with, and there's some virtues, some guiding principles that I picked up from the Boy Scouts. One of them is to leave it better than you found it, or more accurately, to leave it as good as or better than you found it. If you go into nature, don't make it look like you were present. I try to make it look like I was never, ever there. I even put this to practice at home in the kitchen. It's my goal if I get any food out, dirty any dishes, that I clean them or put them away or put the food away, wipe down the counter, so it doesn't look like I just went through the kitchen. Unlike my son, who's still working on this, if I happen to come in the kitchen behind him, I know he was there. I know what he ate and approximately how much. I'll find wrappers, dirty dishes, open boxes, you name it. It really applies to any aspect of your environment, even though in the Scouts it primarily dealt with nature. I can remember when I used to live in Michigan, there was a private beach north of Manistee that I used to go to and hang out. It was very private, and there was a public area or a common area. I could walk several hundred yards down the beach, and for the most part, I would be by myself. I'd hang out there all day sometimes. And this was right on the coast of Lake Michigan, on the west side of Michigan. The first time that I had gone there, I was actually surprised at the amount of trash that was washing up on the beach. And being that was my motto, my creed, my code, is to leave it better than I found it, I started picking up the trash. And the trouble was, is I didn't have any place to put it. So as I gathered it up, I'd have a handful and sometimes an armful, and I'd walk down to the common area of the beach, and there was a receptacle there, and I put it in there. What got to me, though, is that I'd encounter a number of people that were also walking on the beach, and they thanked me for picking up the trash. Yet, I didn't see them picking up the trash. You see, it wasn't my job. It wasn't, you know, I was just being a good steward. In consequent trips after that, I would actually take a trash bag with me so I wouldn't have to go back and forth to that receptacle down in the common area. And then when I say common area, it was just a place where most people could set up a little campfire or set up their blanket. And at most, I never saw more than, oh, probably eight people. Another code of conduct or another rule that I have for myself that is kind of in alignment with that leave it better than you found it is that I only engage in expanding the conversation. My goal is to expand the energy. So if I can't say something that expands possibility, that makes something more possible, that builds you up, then chances are nothing's going to come out of my mouth. Chances are it's going to be behavior that I do not engage in unless it makes that kind of impact. I have no intention of contracting the energy. I don't want you to feel less than. Because frankly, and this is another code of conduct, is I don't have the right to judge you. It's not my place. You might engage in activity and behavior that I would not engage in, but that's for you to decide. I'm only responsible for my behavior. Now, if you're listening closely, or if you've listened to several of the episodes in this podcast, then you probably recognize some of these codes of conduct as things I've talked about, things I've recommended. And they are born, like I said, you know, and I don't preach anything. I don't talk about anything that I have not, do not put in practice for myself. 
At this point, I could probably talk about a vice that I used to have, an issue, a character flaw, so to speak, is that I used to be a know-it-all. I used to like to impress people with everything that I knew. And I was one of those weirdo people that was quick to correct somebody if they had the facts wrong or had things just askew. I would come across as the expert, the know-it-all. But at the source of that operation was my fragile ego at the time. I don't remember exactly when I shifted this, but it is closely aligned when I adopted the idea that it is not my place to judge another. See, I used to tell people how and what they should do all the time. And frankly, it did not land with much reception. And it was in the noticing one time just how uncomfortable another person was at the, as the result of my expertise. And when I noticed it, I realized, wow, that's been under my radar. I wasn't even paying attention to that reaction. I wonder how many other times that was occurring. And so in meditation, I actually sat and contemplated this whole thing on my need and want to be a know-it-all or to have, I guess, my intellect acknowledged. And so first, I needed to take away the need, take away the motivation to do that. What I did is I created criteria for myself for me to know. See, I don't need outside validation. As long as I know that I have a certain level of intellect, that I'm good with the knowledge that I have, that I have a certain level of expertise, then I have no need, no desire to prove it to anybody else. And then I created the metaphor that uh, you've heard probably many times before, and that is on the planet, the best guess is there's about 7 billion people on the planet. No two people have the same brain. No two people have the same set of references, the same set of beliefs, the the same perspectives. Each of us are totally unique. Yet how could I express my point of view as the truth when there were so many other points of views, and every one of those points of view, every one of those other people had a valid perspective on reality. It may not be accurate, it might not be the truth, but it was valid in their experience. And again, who am I to judge another person's experience? And so, rather than me expressing the truth, at best, I was expressing an opinion. I was expressing a point of view not necessarily the facts. And that's why I've said before in previous episodes that you need to validate all of this stuff that I talk about in your own experience. Your results may vary. When I speak of stuff, I'm speaking from my point of view, how it's worked for me and how it's worked with many of my clients. Yet, your results may vary. As they say, your mileage may vary. So what was the result? After that realization, when I would engage other people, I would listen much more than I talked. That's when I remember the Dale Carnegie adage that it's better to be more interested than interesting. And so I became very curious about other people's points of view, how they saw the world, how they thought of things, what were their problem solving. I started learning a lot more than when I thought I knew it all. And then this gave rise to another code of conduct, and that is not to give advice unless asked. I'm not compelled to solve other people's problems unless they want a perspective, unless they want my perspective. Even if in watching them, I I know I have a solution for them. I know I have the answer. Unless they're going to ask me for it, I'm not going to volunteer it. 
I may ask on occasion, would you like perspective on that, or would you rather figure it out on your own? The first time I got the idea of creating a code of conduct, I read a book, an autobiography by Chuck Norris, the martial artist. And in that book, he had a code of conduct. And so some of these, and I can't remember exactly which, I stole from him. And maybe none of the ones that I mentioned, but I know that I got some things from him. Other ideas I've gotten from the Bible. I took stuff from the Code of Chivalry. And like I said, the Boy Scouts. But I've also looked at the Navy SEALs and the Way of the Samurai, Bushido. I tend to lean towards the warrior spirit, so I look at different warrior sects as to how they conduct themselves, how they express themselves in excellence. And I do maintain a standard of excellence. That's one of my code of conducts. But I realize that attaining excellence is an arbitrary goal because you can behave in an excellent way, but you cannot necessarily achieve excellence. There's a standard you can meet, but refining that standard along the way is one of the goals of becoming better and better. And that goes into my learning aspect. But something that I was missing along that that pursuit of excellence is that I was missing out on the celebration. You see, after you achieve something, even after every one of these podcasts, I end up saying, oh, I could have done that better. Or there's something I, I could have said, or I missed saying that, or I didn't quite tweak that just the right way. And you see, you can always do it better. But there's a certain amount of acceptance that you can have and you celebrate that success. And then you create the intention that next time you'll improve it even better. Are you beginning to think of some codes of conduct that you could put in place? Things that would be in alignment with your highest priorities of life, your values? One of my values is honor. I like to be an honorable man. I also expect to be honored and I respect other people. I honor them. I honor their path. I honor their experience. It's not my experience. It's your experience. Again, I can't judge you. I honor who you are. And every time I say on the podcast that I appreciate you, I appreciate your presence, I appreciate your engagement in this conversation, it's me honoring your path. It's honoring the fact that we're both kindred spirits in this spiritual adventure. And along with honoring is a reverence for nature. There's a reverence and awe of all that is. The other thing is, another rule that I have in place is that if I cannot change it, I accept it. That goes hand in hand with another code of conduct that I will not surrender leadership to outside circumstances. I mean, it may everything may go to hell in the handbasket. Everything may go wrong. But I will never surrender leadership. I will never surrender my ability, my freedom to choose my response. And with that said, I always attempt to turn it into something good. How does this work for me? How does this now serve me? What does this now make possible? Again, this is me expanding the conversation. Expanding possibility. Saying that brings to mind another code that I live by, and that is to go the extra mile. Now, if you don't know where that comes from, it comes from the Bible. It's something that Jesus said. He said that if a Roman soldier were to show up on your doorstep asking for some water, you give him the water and invite him for dinner. If he asks to lay down and rest, 
you invite him to spend the night. If the next morning he asks you to carry his shield for a mile, go an extra mile. You see, if you're always prepared to go more or further than the minimum requirement, you're prepared to go the extra mile, then just doing what is required is easy because you've already made up your mind you're going to go an extra mile. You're going to go the extra distance. Hopefully, I've given you lots of ideas that you can include in your own code of conduct. And this comes up with another rule for myself. Is And I didn't make this up, but I loved it when I heard it. Is steal the best and leave the rest. Don't copy me. Don't do everything that I do. I mean, you can do a lot if you want or none of it. But steal what works for you. Steal the best and leave the rest. And look everywhere around you. Anywhere that you have a person that you admire, people from history, you can look at the Stoics, you can look at Emerson, you can look at Shakespeare, George Bernard Shaw, you can look at all the greats, the philosophers, the thinkers, people that have already worked this stuff out. You can glean a lot by studying others, studying excellence. And the beauty of your code of conduct is that it is a work in progress. You're always going to be amending it. You're always going to be tweaking it. You know, you do the best you can and you put it into practice and then you see how it works. If you have to amend it, you have to, you know, tweak it a little bit to fit different circumstances, then by all means do so. Just because you set it in stone, just because it becomes a code for you, doesn't mean you can't change it. But what it does is it gives you a platform by which you can operate in the world, operate with a certain amount of honor, operate with a certain amount of integrity in aligning with your values, those things that you value most about being human. And I promise I will do an episode that goes in deeper on creating values, identifying your unifying principles, because that is actually at the heart of my aligned self process. It is the beginning point that everything else revolves around. And I guess I should say, in addition to my Aligned Self Coaching Program, this program that I put together with Meg Lamb, uh, Being Your Authentic Self, also we have a component where we'll look at your values, identify your values, identify those characteristics that you value, especially in your relationships. And how do you create boundaries? How do you create rules in order to maintain those principles, maintain those, those valued aspects of being in a relationship? So begin creating your own code of conduct and let me know what you come up with. If there's something that I haven't talked about or that you think is especially valuable, especially unique, tell me about it. Go to yesdaniel.com. There's a contact form there and you can tell me how this episode might have impacted you or what you've come up with on your own. Share it with me because I'm always open to learning more, incorporating more in who I am. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 